Good morning, everybody, and welcome to God's house this morning. Are you expecting to meet somebody? Yeah, perhaps a relative, a friend. But are you expecting to meet God? That's what you're professing to do, and I with you. And may we all know what that is, to hear God and to meet with him. I was asked to mention that this evening service will be taken by Reverend Duncan MacLeod, the former minister of Dornoch. And uh, I think that is all that I had to intimate. So we'll begin this morning's public worship by singing to God's praise from Sing Psalms, Psalm 43. And we're going to sing the whole of this psalm. And I trust that you and I will have the prayer of this psalm, particularly verse 3. O send your light forth and your truth. Psalm 43, the whole of this psalm to God's praise.
lost all my soul. Why are you so dead in me? God, for I will praise Let us uh, pray. Let us pray together. Lord, thank you for the warmth of today's sun. Grant that we would know in a very special way here together this morning the warmth of your love shown to us in the person of Jesus Christ. We have been singing to our own soul and to each other, asking the question, why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Grant that we would know the answer that we sang and that we would live the answer that we sang. Trust God, for I will praise him yet. My Savior and my God is he. Lord, again in these past days you have reminded us of an appointment that we have to keep. There are times when we make an appointment with the dentist or the doctor, but this appointment is an appointment we have previously determined by yourself. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after death, the judgment. Help us, Lord, to remember that and to live in the light of that and to be in this place of worship this morning in the light of that, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to answer for the great benefit we have this morning of gathering in your house under your word with your promise that where two or three are gathered together, you will be here to meet with us. How remarkable it is and ought to be that you should invite us to worship and to pray. Lord, sometimes we confess that we come to church to see who's there. We come to church looking for food for our souls. We come to church for fellowship, but grant that we would come 
knowing that you seek us to come to worship. You are looking for worshipers. What good will it do for us if we do not worship? Help us to redeem this hour of worship, that you would save us from being distracted by our activities planned in the week ahead or our activities of the past week, that we would be saying, as another said, above all things, I will seek your face. Open our eyes. To behold the King, the Lamb, the glory of the gospel. Please, this morning, open the windows of heaven. Not only that we would see and taste, but that we would hear and that you would pour forth a blessing, and that we would go on our way into whatever the futures hold, saying, My beloved is mine, and I am his. We thank you for the lovely voices and sounds of the children here. They are your heritage, Give the parents here and grandparents a spirit of prayer for them and with them that they would soon come to know Jesus Christ. Many of us have folks in our families who heard the message and who've wandered away from it. We find that very distressing. But Lord, rescue them. Bring them to the foot of the cross. Turn us again, Lord God of hosts, and upon us vouchsafe to make thy countenance to shine. Lord, we pray for your help as we go about the various parts of the worship. Lord, we confess that so often we think it's all to do with the man in the box at the front. But give us all to engage in this act of worship. Continue with us then as we read your word and as we pray together and as we hear your word preached and sing that you would have the glory and that we would know thankfulness and pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to read in John's Gospel, John the Beloved Disciple, John chapter 18 from verse 1 through to 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now, Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, 
for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the, the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside. At the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. And now I understand it's time for the children's story. Are the children going to move over to this side of the room, or are they going to stay where they are? I'm not sure what they do here, but anyway, you're, are you going over? Very good. That's lovely. Good morning. Nice to see you all. And he wants to come too. Good. Good, good. Ah, that's some more. I'm sure some of the adults would like to join you. Wouldn't they? Oh, you go back to your seat. Very good. Very good. Ah, well. I better speak here so that people will hear me. So I'll try and do that. I want to introduce you to my brother, Hugh. 
My brother Hugh, who's a younger brother than I am, he used to be a very strong farmer. He could turn a sheep up, upside down. He could lift the tire of a tractor. He was a very strong farmer. But about five or six years ago, he got a disease. And it's called Parkinson's, which makes him very, very shaky. And he's lost a lot of the strength that he once had. But this week, something happened with my brother Hugh. He had a very sore tooth on Thursday night. It was just agony. Have you ever had two things? Oh, you look after your teeth. That's good. Well, anyway, he had very bad toothache. And he had to get an appointment with the dentist, so he got an appointment with the dentist at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And he went to the dentist, and the dentist said, Mr. Mackenzie, there's nothing for it, but we have to take that tooth out. So the dentist set to with a pair of pliers and whatever else he needed to yank the tooth out. I better not go into too many gory details, but this man who used to be a strong farmer got the tooth out. But then afterwards, because he's shaky, because he's elderly, the dentist was concerned about him when he got up from the dental chair. And the dentist said to Hugh, have you got anybody with you? Because the dentist was pretty sure that Hugh was not fit to drive and he wasn't fit to go very far because he got such a shock with the pain of the tooth. Have you got anybody with you? Mr. Mackenzie. And Hugh said, yes, yes I have. My wife Mary is here and she'll look after me. And then he said, then Hugh said, but there's somebody else with me. There's somebody else with me all the time. Everywhere. Who's that? She got it. She got it. God, she said, my God is with me. And the dentist and the nurse were aghast. They'd never heard that in a dental surgery before. It seemed, Huey said, my God is with me. Now, that's the wonderful thing, to know that God is with you. Because he has promised never to leave you or forsake you. He's a present help in time of need. He's nearer to you than the person sitting beside you on the seat. He's nearer to you than your mother or your wife or your father. How is that? How is that? What does the Bible say? The Bible says he is near to all that call on him. 
Now, I don't know what you were thinking about during the prayer, and I don't know what you're thinking about just now, but God does. So I would like you and encourage you and all of us to be people who speak to God and who remember and who know that he is the present help in time of need. My brother, who's frail, who's got Parkinson's, who had bad toothache, who had his tooth taken out, was asked, have you got somebody with you? And he replied, God is with me. And thank you for giving me the answer. And may you know it for yourself, and may all of us know it for ourselves. Right, the next thing we have to do is the Lord's Prayer together. And I think it comes up on the screen. So we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. And if you wish, you can stand. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you. Good. Now we're going to sing again. And this time we're singing from the Scottish Psalter. And it's Psalm 65 from the Scottish Psalter. And we're going to sing from verse 1 through to the end of the verse marked 7. Praise waits for thee in Zion, Lord, to thee vows paid shall be. Now, just remember, the next line of this tells us, O thou that hearer art of prayer. All flesh shall come to thee. Psalm 65, verses 1 through 7, to God's praise. Yeah. 
of the chapter we read, John chapter 18, verse 4. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? You have no idea what is about to happen in your life. You do not know what tomorrow will bring, you do not know what a day or an hour may bring forth. But here we are told about our Lord that he knew all that would happen to him. News flashes across Jerusalem. They've got him. The Nazarene is going to be executed. And not before time he had it coming to him. He was deserving of it, they said. 
the graves are about to open. The city is about to have an earthquake. The curtain of the church is going to be torn from the top to the bottom. Folk are crying. They're running scared. Was this the same guy that a week ago they were cheering? Was this the same guy that a week ago they were taking their coats off and putting them in front of him? This week has been a long week in politics. But this week in Jerusalem was the longest week. Was Mary expecting to be beside the torn body of her boy? Did proud Peter, who had been saying, I will not leave you, I will not desert you, I will not betray you, did he expect to be in the pits? Did scheming Judas after the money expect to kill himself tomorrow? Did Pilate anticipate the load of trouble that was to unfold? Everyone near that tree is affected. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone is making a choice. Jesus asked the people there an important question. And in God's place, I ask you a question. The same question from Jesus. Who are you seeking? Whom do you seek? There's nobody anywhere, anytime not seeking something. Perhaps it's to win the Open Championship at tennis. Perhaps it's to get rid of Putin. Whatever it is, everybody's seeking. Who are you seeking? Have you heard the competing messages? Yes, he did rise again. No, he's an imposter. Yes, he is a righteous man. No, away with him. This man hath done nothing wrong. He cannot save himself. You have a kingdom. He's no son of God. I am the bread of life. If you are the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Competing voices and you're subject to them. And so am I. You've been listening to them. This is the dividing line. There is no sitting on the fence here. God does not allow you or me that luxury. This is not a roundabout. Wondering which exit you will take. 
This is a point of a crossroads. I'm not asking you, do you read the Bible? I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm not asking you, do you support the church? Do you empty your pocket with your cash into the church? I'm not asking, do you care for your family? I'm not asking, do you live honestly with your neighbors or at work? I'm asking you Jesus' question. Whom seek ye? What do you think of him? Are you trusting in him alone? And today, with God's help, and in I trust dependence on the Holy Spirit, I would like to take you to join with me as we visit the cross. You must visit Calvary. I want you to listen to the eyewitnesses' account and to say with John, the writer of this gospel, we beheld his glory. That you might believe. That you might say this morning, under God's word, yes, I saw it. It's a glimpse I got. But he is altogether wonderful. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is my God. He is my Redeemer. He is my only hope. He who gave life and energy to the seed that grew into a tree on which he was hanged. He who created the iron that, was, that made the nails by which he was fastened to the tree. There he died for me. The God-man on a cross. That's enough. That's plenty for you to think about. The God-man on a cross. Yes, he was in a dark place in the womb. Yes, he was in a dark place in the manger. He was in a dark place throughout his life in many situations. But here in the darkest place, forsaken by God his Father. For us, there was an old lady who lived in Kirkhill. Some of you may have known her. She used to attend Free North. And she was a lovely lady. And in her last days... She had never professed faith, but in her last days she said this to me, I know that my Redeemer lives. So let's look at some of the characters around the cross and what happened. What was their experience? We'll think about John, the beloved apostle who wrote these things for us, as he tells us two chapters later, that you might believe. Who also says in 1 John, I'm telling you this so that you may have assurance. So that you may know you have eternal life, 1 John. He stuck by Jesus. He seems he was the only disciple near the cross. 
He saw Jesus as a loving friend, and my, how he loved Jesus. He was there to act on the Savior's wish. When the going was tough and rough, he did what was needful. You can hear him thinking, if not saying, Oh, I know she's an old lady. I know she's been through a lot. But because I love you, Lord, I will have her in my own home. Thank you, Lord, for asking me to look after Mary. What love. She showed her love. He showed his love. She showed her love. And above all, Jesus showed his love. What about your love? Are you there when the church is low? Do you identify with Christ when things are tough? When others are at the party, are you at the prayer meeting? When others are doing their thing, are you doing his thing? A week yesterday, I visited an old lady. I seem to be having a lot of time with old ladies sometimes. An old lady, her name is Annie Martin, you might know her. She taught in the Crown School. She's in her mid-90s. She had a stroke three weeks ago. She's been a widow for 58 years. We went in and we stood by her bed and had a brief family worship and we were leaving. And we were just at the door of her single room, Ward 2A. And with the best teacher's voice, this frail, fragile old lady said, William! Well, I came back over, and this is what she said. I want to go to church tomorrow but they won't let me out of here yet. Now, is that where you are in relation to the cause of Christ? That's where Peter was. He was hanging on the cross. That's where John was, rather. Jesus was on the cross. John was there. Jesus asked John to do something. And he said, yes, Lord. The next one is Judas. Judas Iscariot, the man from Kerioth. What a burden he had. He was shamed. He was hurt. He had got the lolly. He got the money. 
It was in his pouch or his pocket. But he got something else, didn't he? He got an aching void. He got an emptiness. The money only made the hole bigger. These lips were now trembling in remorse. He knew that Jesus had not long ago washed his feet. Who can rescue me? There's no hope for me. I'm done for. I'm finished. I've sinned. I've betrayed innocent blood. My situation is desperate. Can you think of someone else who was there? Someone whose burden was just as great, just as severe, Someone who knew something of the emptiness and despair that Judas knew. Yes, it's Paul. Who shall separate me? Who can restore me? Who shall deliver me from this body of sin and death? I cannot stand it. I found out what sin is and has done to me and I don't know what to do. But Paul, yes, he said, I'm carnal, sold under sin. I do what's wrong. There's nothing good in me. Evil is present with me. It seems to have pervaded my mind and my body and my action. What can I do? Who shall deliver me from this? But Paul looked to the right place. Paul, he had stood there agreeing <coughs> with the stoning of Stephen. Paul, who was the chief of sinners, who'll fix it for me? Who'll sort my situation? <coughs> and what was his answer? What was his answer? He was asking the question, what'll I do with my sin? What'll I do with the mess I'm in? I thank God through Jesus Christ. I found grace that's beyond description. Forgiveness that's total and free. Amazing grace. Outstretched arms on the cross, yes, but outstretched arms in Paul's despair, come unto me. Paul turned to Christ 
and life and hope, Judas turned to death and despair. Where are you turning to? Where have you turned to? We've looked at John. We've looked at Judas. We'll now look at Malchus, the high priest servant mentioned in all four Gospels. He was only doing his job. There's great excitement today, isn't there, about replacement parts? We were going through the airports in America recently, and we were both asked things that were a bit offensive. And I'd never been asked them before. As we were going through security, have you any spare parts? What do you mean? Well, we've got to ask you, have you any spare parts? I said, no, no spare parts. Oh, it's about your hip or your knee. People have spare parts. And we think it's amazing. I know a lady who a month ago couldn't walk the length of her room. Now she's walking down the road. She's, I think she's nearly 90, and she had a new knee. Well, what happened to Malchus? His ear was cut off by Peter. But what happened to it? It was back on very soon afterward. It was restored. People scoff at Jesus and his claims and his power. He who says, I have all power in heaven and on earth, that's what he said. People scoff at that. But ask Malchus, what do you think about it? Well, he says, I, I, all I can say is this. I just touched my right ear. It's there. And it was off. It's back on. Jesus put it back on in a moment. My ear reminds me of him. So then we'll look at the next character there. Barabbas. There he was. He was waiting on death row. He was heading for the gallows and he knew he deserved it. And in comes the prison officer, I presume with his keys, opens the jail, unlocks the chains. You can go now, Barabbas, you're free. You're, you can clear up. You can go. What? Do you think Barabbas hung around? Do you think he said, oh, it's okay here. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe that the jail is open and my chains are off. He got his chance and he took it. He took his gift and ran. But alas, we prefer to earn our own freedom. When you are being offered freedom by God through me today, are you saying, yeah, 
I'll take it. Or are you saying, well, maybe it's not for me. Maybe not yet. Alas, we are so like Barabbas. Prisoners because of sin, but too proud to be rescued, too proud to bow the knee and say, yes, that's what I need. The way is open. The door is open. You are being offered Christ without money and without price. Then the centurion. I'm a Roman. I'm not from these parts. I don't know anything much about this man or his history. But if you had seen what I saw, you would say, certainly this was a righteous man. No, I never heard him preach. But I saw him die. I heard him pray for those who were killing him. I saw him and heard him care for his mother. I saw him bleeding on that tree. He preached a sermon on that tree. He lived a sermon on that tree. Are you saying about Jesus? He lived a sermon for me on that tree. He is the righteous man. Then there's Pilate. Was he his own man? Had he any courage? His own reasoning said it all. Uh, this chap's okay. I don't think I find anything much wrong with what he is or what he's done. Certainly he's done nothing that deserves the death penalty. And poor Pilate, he was in charge. And he repeated that three times. John 18, 38, 19, verse 4, 19, verse 6. He was, in effect, saying, he's not all that bad. I would like to let him go. His wife came along and said, look, look, Pilate, I've had a dream last night. He's a just man. Let him go. But the mob prevailed. The crowd prevailed. And Pilate gave in, just like yourself and myself. I put it to you, friend, have you laughed at the lewd joke? Have you encountered the television program which has and is taking God's name in vain? And you've sat there with your wife or your friend or your child and not said, put it off. This is not good. Have you watched the adulterous scene and accommodated it? Have you given in to the mob? No one will know. Everybody's doing it. 
Pilate didn't stand up. And we haven't, have we? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We need the free gift of God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We have one more, and that's Peter. We read about him here. Peter, who seemed to have so much courage after all, he got a sword out and chipped off the ear. Peter, have you got a memory at all, Peter? Have you? Are you, are you suffering from advanced Alzheimer's, Peter? Remember, Peter, you saw what happened to the ear of Malchus. You, you found the money in the fish's mouth. Do you not remember that? Remember you found the upper room, Peter? I told you you would find it, and you went, and you got it. Remember what you said. You said that I have the words of eternal life. You said that you believed I was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter, you were on the mountain. You saw the transfiguration. And then, Peter, do you not remember when you were sinking? The waves got the better of you, and you were sinking, and you were rescued. What's happened to you? Peter, how, how, how could you do it? Not once, not twice, but three times I do not know the man. And friend, have you and I not been like Peter, forgetting what God has given and done for us and shown to us? Have you not said, I don't know him? You're at the hotel. You're standing at the bar and somebody says something terrible about God and you laugh at it. You're in the business deal and there's a little thing I can do here to make another 2% on the deal for my own sake. You're in the family, you're in the kitchen, you're at the football match, and you deny him. Yes, we've all denied Jesus, not once. Not twice, not thrice, but often, and yet, Jesus cares. Remember, the angel said to, on Mark chapter 16, verse 7, Go tell his disciples and Peter that I'm still here. 
that I'm back from the dead. Oh, I'm concerned about Peter after what he's gone through and what he did. I want Peter to know that I'm here for him. I love Peter. I still love Peter. Peter needs to hear from me. I know he's failed, but I love sinners. Isn't that wonderful for us? That's what Jesus is. That's who Jesus is, the great lover. I will heal your backsliding. I will love you freely. Your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more forever. As far as east is from the west, so far as he from us removed in, our, in his love all our iniquities. <coughs> next time next time Peter met Jesus remember what happened he was first out of the boat he gathered up his garments round his middle jumped into the water to have breakfast with Jesus where the coals and fish were ready <coughs> Jesus said to him come and dine So he went and had breakfast with Jesus. And he's the guy who had said three times, I don't know. My, what love is this? Aren't you thankful for that love? Are you not excited about that love? That despite what we have been, despite the mess we've made, he's still saying, come unto me. And I will give you rest. He went, Peter went to Rome with this story, with this message. Jesus saves sinners. Jesus saves sinners. He loved Jesus so much that he went to Rome with this message and was willing to die and be crucified in Rome, apparently crucified upside down. Think of doubting Thomas, my Lord and my God. Think of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Nicodemus who defended Jesus. Joseph who was not agreeable to the decision taken at the court. These two men, they were secret disciples. They were afraid, but something changed their fear. They were no longer afraid of their reputation. Jesus died, and they knew he died for them. And there they met Joseph and Nicodemus, their arms, as it were, meeting under the body of Christ. He died for me. Apparently, the burial, one pound of spices, was a lot of money and the normal for a burial. 
We read there that there were 75 pounds weight of spices used for the burial of Jesus. If we have a care for the body of Jesus, yes, for his church, everything would be too little. They spent their money on the 75 pound of spices. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You know that verse. You could probably repeat that last line if I made a mistake in it. But is that where you are, William? I'm asking that question of myself as I ask it of you. Is that where you are in your heart? Where the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Whom seek ye? And have you found him? He's waiting to be gracious, and he's near to all that call on him. Let us pray. Lord, we've been visiting the scene of Calvary forbid that we would be of those who have no interest who are longing to get away from it to get back for our Sunday lunch that we would say as the psalmist said when thou didst say seek ye my face then unto thee reply, thus did my heart, above all things, thy face, Lord, seek will I. Help each of us in our situation to visit Calvary often, to behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We pray for the congregation in every part of its life. We pray for those in leadership here, we pray for the pastor, Malcolm, and his wife, Katie. Give them to know fresh supplies of your grace, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength. Bless each of the children for whom we have a responsibility and care. Continue with us then as we come to the end of this service. Give us to know we have not come to the end of it in a very real sense. Because to whom much is given, of the, of the same shall much be required. 
And I have to answer for what I said from this box. And everybody here has to answer for what they heard or even refused to listen to. Lord, bless, pity us, and pardon us. Turn us as a nation. We remember the mess that there is in Europe, the problems in Westminster, the advance of the COVID, the rioting around the world. Lord, to whom can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Give us to say, I heard the voice of Jesus say, and to say, we come to you. Pardon us and help us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll conclude by singing from Psalm 22 at verse 27. Psalm 22, verse 27 to verse 31. What a great promise. All ends of the earth remember shall and turn the Lord unto.
righteousness unto a people yet unborn. He hath done this. Lord, we are in your presence in a most particular way when our voices are joined in singing your praise and when we are reminded by what we have just sung that you are the governor and none of us can defend our souls from death. Grant that we would know and anticipate the fulfillment of what we have sung. They shall come and they shall declare to a people yet unborn that you have done this and may we be given the grace and the wisdom and the courage and the confidence to live that way and to tell one another and others that he is Lord, that he is risen from the dead, and to say, we met him, I know him, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Pardon us for our sin today. Forgive us in everything. For Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>